Welcome back. It's time to get restless. Thanks for joining us on The Restless Show. Our hearts are restless until they rest in the Lord. I'm Father Joseph Gill here with Lauren, Diane, and Javier as we explore what it means to be a young adult Catholic in our world today. Do you guys remember that old movie, There's Something About Mary? Might be before your time. I don't know, I don't know. that I've seen that one. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it either, but that was a, very, a famous title. I guess that was probably around yeah. the year 98 or 99. And today's okay. topic is Mary, because there's something about her. That, that movie had nothing to do with Blessed Mother. I have no idea what it had to do with. It had nothing to do with the Blessed Mother. No, it didn't. But this episode has a lot to do with the Blessed Mother. (laughs) In fact, everything to do with her. So, Marian devotion, Marian relationship is, you know, for for people that are not Catholic, is perhaps one of the biggest stumbling blocks and one of the biggest questions that I get asked as a priest. You know, what is your deal with Mary? And that's a good question, you know. So, first of all, do you guys have a relationship with Mary, the Blessed Mother? Yes. Very strong. I think from that was one thing that started very young for me. Um, I don't know what it was. I feel like Mary is just so powerful and so loving. And I, I felt that it was one of those things that like didn't need to be told. I just it was it was self-evident. So I've always had a, um, you know, a very close relationship with her. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I could say the same thing. Yeah, I've always felt drawn to her. And close to her, um, like she's someone I can trust, you know, and I always pray to her and I love to pray to her and just imagine her coming and, and helping because I'm sure that she does, you know. Yeah. So I as our former Protestant, Javier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I had a very, very strong relationship with her when I was a kid. I think I, I said it in, <clears throat> in prior episodes that, you know, I used to pray at least one rosary every night and then sometimes two um and i think they're after you know i I, when i when i was going to evangelical church and then now coming back that's something i'm kind of wrestling with in a sense it's um i don't know i think it's kind of the i have such a strong relationship with jesus such a strong relationship with him that i do wrestle sometimes with praying to uh to mary even though i pray the rosary every day um i still struggle with praying to her with bringing my needs to her directly because i do and i do find myself like in the middle of doing it i turn straight to jesus Mm. (laughs) and i I don't know if that's just that's just in my mind or what it is but um i i i've been listening a lot to, to scott han um and how he talks about you know, his conversion from being a Protestant to becoming a Catholic and um, the biblical understanding of who Mary is and stuff. And it's just, it's amazing. It's mind-blowing, mm-hmm. you know, who she is, you know, based on um, several books uh, in the Old Testament and stuff and how she she gets revealed as, you know, being the ark for Jesus and how she was the one that carried Jesus and stuff. And... um and I, I, through theology of the body, there's also some other stuff as well. But I can't say that my relationship with her is as strong as I want it to be. And I think it's just the work that the Lord is still doing in my heart. Yeah. Because um, I do wrestle with that. And maybe I do need some spiritual guidance or something. Uh, but That's something I've wrestled with too, personally, in my own life. I've never 
I've also prayed the rosary every day since I was 16. And even though I pray the rosary, I focus on Jesus. But that, you know, John Paul II says that the rosary is like looking at the life of Jesus through the eyes of Mary. Right. Which I think is a beautiful thing. I mean, how, how else can we see Jesus more clearly than with the one who loved her, loved him so perfectly here on this earth? Yeah. But I've, outside of that, I never really went to Mary to ask for anything or to, to speak with her. Partly because, as you said, uh, Javier, that I just had such a close, clo- uh, close relationship with Christ. And I figured, just go straight to the top. You know, if you're friends with the boss, why talk to the boss's secretary? <laughs> But then I realized, you know, this summer in a particular way, I've been really growing in that relationship with our Blessed Mother. And one thing that that um, happened to me this summer, which kind of helped me in that, was I had the, the privilege this past summer of going to Wyoming to work with Wyoming Catholic College uh, on a little retreat. They do these great um, two-week backpacking trips with teenagers, and they needed some priests to come along and, and kind of be a chaplain. And so they split up into two groups. There was about 50 um, teenagers who were on the, the trip, and there are two chaplains, and they they did this this four-day backpacking trip, and it was a loop, but each group went separately, went a different direction on the loop, so they crossed over once. And they split it up, boys and girls, and I ended up getting being the chaplain of the girls group. Hmm. And I was like, okay, I've got like 30 teenage girls under my tutelage for the next four days out in the wilderness. How in the world am I going to relate to them? <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of, through that experience, kind of discovered the feminine genius you know, just in talking with them and, and kind of getting to know what what makes them tick a little bit more and understood, you know, in them, they were, they were these girls who were just so deeply devoted to the Lord and just radiated Christ so much. And I could really see in them kind of an image of the Blessed Mother. And it helped me to understand kind of what the Blessed Mother lived like when she was here on this earth, you know, in her deep relationship with Christ. Yeah. And since then, I've been really kind of taking Mary more as my own model of how a disciple should be, you know, to look to Christ more and more and be transformed into him through his grace. Yeah, she was the first yes. She was the first yes. First disciple. Yeah. I mean, we don't call her a disciple in the Bible, but she was the first disciple, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. She believed in Christ before he was even born. Exactly. She knew who he was. And And she's just the perfect example of... You know, I mean, I think oftentimes I used to think, you know, she knew everything in advance, but she didn't. I mean, she she's an example of complete self-surrender, um, complete humility, and she suffered. She suffered immensely. And so she is sort of this person that we can look to, and she, she did everything perfectly, but she didn't experience anything that we aren't experiencing you know she wasn't immune to any of that and i think it's just very um she's just someone you can look to to be you know like give more of yourself and just that perfect example of how you you know you give your life to god Mm, yeah through all the trials i mean her life was not perfect she she didn't know you know she didn't know where she was going to give birth. She didn't know what was going to happen. Um, right. She lost her son when he was 12. Yeah. And of course, went through the passion with him. You know, I think everything that happened to Jesus in body happened to Mary in soul mm-hmm. during the passion. Yeah. You know, she was kind of that perfect participant in it. So what what uh, title or aspects, you know, kind of you, do you relate to, you know, for Mary? Because I know Mary has a lot of different titles and definitely different events in her life, you know. Are there any that kind of resonate more with you than perhaps others? I can't say why. I like Queen of Peace. 
Hmm. One, because, you know, queen and she is coronated and our queen. Um, but just that she brings the peace. And even, you know, throughout history, we've seen that right at Fatima. She warned of um, conflicts going to get worse in the world, right? If we don't stop this evil, but there can be peace. And what happened, you know, things got worse and there was World War II. But things got better eventually. And I'm sure she played a big part in that, you know. Sure. When the world was consecrated to the Immaculate Heart. Yeah. You know, that which John Paul II did. And that was what she said, you know, consecrate Russia and the world to my Immaculate Heart and you will have peace. Yeah. And that's just amazing, uh, right? Like that she has that impact, that she's, I think, a lot more involved in what's going on than we realize. Yeah. Yeah. History is not a random sequence of events. God is intimately involved in political 100%. players and wars and calamities and, and good things too. And He's, he's working out his purposes. His purposes are good. Yeah. What about you, Javier? What's your relation to Mary that you are drawn to? Blessed Mother. That's that's just what I'm drawn to. Just because I do find myself to be, you know, I find myself to be related to Jesus in a way. I mean, like, he's he's my father. He's my brother. He's my everything. He's my best friend. Um, he's the one that I go to for everything. And if she was the mother of our Lord, then she's my mother. Um, that's just the way I look at her. Um, now, he's still God. Hmm. So, um, but that—that's the one where I, when I, when I, when I refer to her, I always call her our Blessed Mother. Anytime I'm, I'm gonna talk about her, I say our Blessed Mother. Yeah, it's hard for me to just say Mary. It's hard for me to say anything else. I just say Our Blessed Mother. That's cool. That's what I call That's her. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I think for me, it's advocate of sinners and comforter of the afflicted. Um, just because I just feel like she is, I can go to her for all of my, I guess, issues that I have. Um, and she is comforting and she is an advocate. And I just, I think of like the Old Testament idea of like the queen mother um, and how powerful that is and sort of help, how it helps me to understand her role um, as an advocate. So, yeah. That's awesome. For me, it's always been, we call Mary the, the singular honor of our race. And I guess it's kind of like, you know, when I look at the world, I see fallen human beings everywhere, you mm. know, myself first and foremost. And and when I think that there's, wow, like, man, we screwed up, Lord. Like, there's nothing good in the human race. Like, we're so, so sinful. And we're so, you know, such original sin. But then, wait, no, there was one person who didn't. And I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of our boast as human beings. That, that there was one member who loved God as he deserved to be loved. Who never was stained with sin. Yeah. I don't know. That's always, that's always struck me. That's very profound. So with these different kind of uh, ways in which we're attracted to God, how has that played out like in your devotions? Like what, what sort of devotions to our Blessed Mother have you gotten involved in? Do you still pray the rosary, Javier? I pray it every day. Awesome. I do. Nice. I don't know if it's, I think it's mainly out of obedience. There is a desire in my heart to have a strong relationship with Mary, but I do wrestle with what I said earlier. I mean, I wrestle with going to her, I do risk, I think part of it too might be a wound that I need to heal, um, having grown up in a Hispanic country and then years later 
in the States becoming a Protestant and then really kind of realizing that some of the people I grew up with, they did worship Mary. I mean, like, in the sense that they, I could not tell you that they ever prayed to Jesus. Really? But they always prayed to Mary. Really? Always. Like ladies in South American countries, oh my gosh, <laughs> they, there's no statute of Jesus or anything like that, but there's statutes of Mary everywhere you go in their houses and stuff and um, and candles all around them. And, and I'm like, and I do see it because I, I think I told you I go to mass at St. Benedict's and, and the priest. St. Benedict's is the Hispanic parish here in Stanford. Yes. The priest always says it. He says that, you know, there's a lot of Marian people out there that they pray more to the Blessed Mother than they do to Jesus. And I just look around and these ladies are just like, they just look down and they're like, you can tell that's them. <laughs> they look down because their rosaries are in their hands and they're praying right there during Mass. <laughs> right. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I wrestle with it because I don't, I don't want to pray. I, I want, I want it to, I, I want to be able to look at my prayer life and say, well, I'm praying more to Jesus. I'm spending more time having a conversation with Jesus, speaking to him than I am going to his mother, you know? Well, if um, it's done right, Mary will lead us to Jesus. Yeah. Right. If it's done right. Yeah. You know, I, I too have met people that kind of have Mary on a higher pedestal than Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's kind of the scary part for me that like, I do see my life when I was a kid and I don't remember having a relationship with Jesus. I don't. But I do remember all of my prayers being the rosary. I never remember having a conversation with Jesus. Never. Hmm. I don't. But I do remember that. And I remember always standing in front of Mary at the school and always praying to her, always talking to her. I don't remember standing in front of a crucifix and talking to Jesus. I just always thought about Jesus as like, he's way too high, I can't get to him. So I'm going to go to Mary. <laughs> you know, And that's how I always thought about it. And now that's part, I think that's part of the reason that's a wound that I need to heal. Mm. Um, I need to get over that so that I can have a relationship with her. Yeah. So I do understand. I mean, I believe in all the miracles. I believe in the things she's done in the world and stuff and um, how she's moved people's hearts and how she's brought people to Jesus, um, to a strong relationship with him. Um, and uh, I mean, you take some of the mystics. I mean, they have a strong relationship with Mary. Take Padre Pio, who probably had a, much stronger relationship with Jesus than I'm ever going to have. And he probably prayed like five, ten rosaries a day. I remember <laughs> hearing a story of Padre Pio that one man came up to him and boasted, I prayed two rosaries today. And Padre Pio said, that's very good. I've prayed 36. <laughs> yeah. And then somewhere, somehow, he probably still had time to speak to our Lord, you know? Yeah. More, more than that. So, sure. you know, it's possible. I just need to heal that wound and... Yeah. You know, keep at it. And I think I think we often react when we see a um an overemphasis on something that shouldn't be overemphasized. Right. You know, so we kind of go to the opposite extreme and and certainly after the Second Vatican Council, unfortunately, I think a lot of church members kind of kicked out Marian devotion because perhaps maybe it was too overemphasized beforehand. And they wanted to get the focus back on Christ, but you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, so. I think you're, you nailed it in the head. I think that's it, 100%. You know, and running away from that, then I find myself like, oh, I'm not spending any time with her at all. Now I'm like trying to like doze it in and stuff. And I do see the blessings from it. Yeah. You know, the days that I don't pray the rosary, 
don't grow the same. <laughs> That's for sure. So. Yeah, and there's a difference between, I think maybe it's some of the wounds from the past, but there's definitely a difference between worshiping Mary and having a devotion to her. Right. So, I mean, one of the things Lauren and I did was the consecration to Mary. And I mean, it's the this idea that, you know, Jesus came into the world through Mary. And so if we want to be sort of close to Jesus, what better person to go to and, you know, to have her guide us. And she, I mean, her like consecration, I mean, it means to set aside your life for a sacred purpose. And Mary's life was set aside for the sole purpose of serving God. It wasn't like, oh, I'm here, like come worship me. It was totally not that at all. So right. um, I think sometimes our perceptions of what people are doing or not, and maybe they're doing it wrong, but I don't think that we should let our perception of what people are doing um, sort of impede what is truly that like beautiful relationship um, that really, you know, the focus is on Christ. It's not on Mary. It's through right. Mary to Christ. Beautiful. Beautiful. That was Pope John Paul II's motto, totus tuus, mm -hmm. which means all yours, Jesus through Mary. Yeah. And it's this, you know, I, I I do think that we have to be careful of, and I know that you've, you've told me that story before of seeing all these women with the candles and everything, but it's this idea that, you know, just because you see, I mean, Protestants say it all the time, you see people praying in front of statues. I mean, this premise of worship, it's, there's this, you know, there, there has to be a false God and, and you're worshiping a statue. That's not what people are doing. I mean, it's like if you go to Washington, D.C. and you see statues there and people are staring at them or, you know, putting flowers next to whatever, it's, you're not necessarily worshiping them. But, um, you know, Mary is, I mean, the mediatrix and uh, think of the wedding at Cana. I mean, her son, you know, listened to her. It's just, she's so... She's so powerful, but it's it's not worship of her. It's it's to get closer to Christ. And she just lived a life of total like consecration to God. It wasn't about her. Yeah. So you have a deep devotion to Mary. How's that played out? Do yeah, I mean do you anything else? Yeah, I do the rosary. Um and I started the five Saturday devotion. Um, I just feel like she's one of the reasons that that she, she sort of, you know, she makes petitions, I guess, to Christ. And I think that it's, I don't know, in my head, it's like this idea of lobbying, right? Like we have this, <laughs> <laughs> why not? I, we can, yes, we can go to Christ, but like, why not get the whole, you know, gang together and, um, and I, but there's this old Testament idea. This is not some, something that like we made up of the queen mother and how powerful, um, how powerful she was in Jewish culture. And it's that same, I mean, this is not something made up. It's, right. it's real. Sure. Um, Can you share more of that from the old Testament? Yeah. I, well, I guess <laughs> well, the, the story that, the story that comes to my mind is the story of um, David and Bathsheba. So Bathsheba mm -hmm. was the mother of Solomon. And uh, there was a, a real big question at the beginning of, I think the first book of Kings about who was going to be the successor to David. Because Solomon was not the oldest. He was, you know, somewhere down there and he was basically from an adulterous union, right? So, so David, so this other, uh, one, one of the other sons of David said, I'm going to be the king because I'm the oldest, I'm the best. And he set himself up as king. And Bathsheba went to David and said, David, is this really what you wanted? Because I think that my son Solomon should be king. And David's like, happy wife, happy life. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to say yes. And he granted the request of uh, the, the queen, Queen Bathsheba, so that 
her, her son Solomon became the king. And even after David's death, because Solomon had 200 wives and 700 concubines, I don't know how he kept track of their anniversaries, but, <laughs> but if, you know, if you've got 200 wives, who are you going to pick to be your queen? Well, that wasn't the custom back then. The custom was to pick the mother of the king was going to be the, qu- the queen. Yeah. So she was going to be the one that really had second to the king the most authority in the realm. And so Bathsheba served as that for, for Solomon. Till Mary serves as that for Christ, in a sense. Yeah, know? absolutely. And I mean, Christ on the cross, he gave us Mary as our mother. Um, you know, her, her life, I mean, her last words, do whatever he tells you. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't ever about her. It was always about him. Yeah. It's like Constantine and St. Saint, Saint Elena, how she was the most powerful woman in the kingdom. I mean, yet she was just the mother of the king. Right. And she was the one that, you know, thanks to her, I mean, now we have all the relics that we have in the world because she set out to, you know, she sent everybody out and, you know, they found true cross and they planted churches and stuff. And, uh, I mean, that, that was, that was kind of the same. When you were talking about that, I was, I was, I was remembering a a talk that I heard from uh, Scott Hahn. Um, he was talking about that, how, you know, she was the most powerful woman in the empire and she wasn't, uh, Constantine's. Uh, wife she was right. his mother the mother you know yeah mothers always have a unique power over their children do they yeah. not no for mm-hmm. sure they you'll, do. you'll do anything your mom says or, or asks even now as an adult right I mean, they, they even have a power over their husbands <laughs> that's true too but i think how how could jesus refuse any request from his mother because his mother has his mother's will is perfectly united to his will so she wouldn't request something that jesus wouldn't will, right? I mean, if Jesus loves us perfectly and he always wants to do what's best for us because he is God and God can only love because God is love. And Mary is so totally united to God's will that she wills what he wills. Then when she presents a request to God, it's really just kind of, um, I think just honoring her for us to, to go through her. And God loves to use intermediaries, doesn't he? Yeah. He could have just preached the gospel to the whole world by using a megaphone, right? I mean, Jesus didn't need to use 12 apostles. He didn't need to use any of us to preach the gospel, but he, he gets glory by using weak instruments for his purposes, hmm. like you and I, Yeah, you know? And so in the same way, you know, God says, well, I'm going to pick the weakest and most unexpected person, you know, a 14-year-old girl who in that culture may or may not have been literate, probably not literate, probably didn't go to school, had no rights. I'm going to use her and exalt her as the queen of heaven and earth. God gets a lot of glory for that, you know? He just says, look what I can do among the weak of the world. That should give us a lot of hope. Look what he can do with you and I. <laughs> we are the weak of the world. <laughs> I think we could have a whole other episode, and we probably should, about, you know, the, aside from just the devotions and everything, I mean, the, how much is fulfilled through Mary from the Old Testament. And we, we say that um, Jesus is the new Adam, but Mary is the new Eve, right. you know, both of them together, instead of falling, um, they defeated the enemy, you know, and that's why they're, you know, there's, there's no reason why, like a lot of people say like, well, it's just Jesus is the new Adam and that's it. I'm like, no, there, there is a woman in the picture. Yeah, there sure. is a woman in the picture and she was chosen by God for a reason, right? And she was without sin, meaning that, you know, they, well, you- they were both tempted by the devil 
and they both overcame those temptations, which Adam and Eve did not. Right. We go all the way back to Genesis. In Genesis yeah. chapter 3, verse 15, you know, God says, you know, she shall crush the head of Satan, yeah. addressing Satan. So exactly. if she, Mary, you know, is that woman who will not be tempted, would not, not that she wasn't tempted, but she would not fall into sin, she's the one that fulfilled that prophecy. Exactly. And there's so much more. I, I think we, we, we would need an entire episode to talk about all the perils between everything that God fulfilled through Mary yeah. uh, from the Old Testament. Um, but I think that's an entire episode in and, of, in and of its own. So for any of our listeners out there, I recommend reading uh, Scott Hahn's book, Hail Holy Queen. Yes. Which is a great book about that. But Lauren, you did uh, the consecration to Mary. I did, you? yeah, back in May. Um, so I just learned about this on the retreat I did in March. Um, and the sister that I got close to there was like, okay, after you leave here, you should really consecrate yourself to Mary. So I was like, okay, great, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and I can't articulate it as well as she did. Obviously, I went through it. And um, Morning Glory is the book. It's There's short readings every day. Um, but... Just going through that, reading the book is great. So I would recommend that to anyone. Um, but uh, she was like, you know, anything that you pray or offer up, anything you do, all your good works are given to Mary, right? Which is so amazing. And so, you know, what you're saying at the end of your life, right? When you're in heaven, like all of my works are kind of no more, but everything is glorified through Mary, right? Everything that she does. Um, so I think that's incredible. It's kind of hard to understand. Um and uh, now that I've done it, I'm like, well, did it work? You know, I don't know. But <laughs> I, I'm trying to like offer her up prayers. And now I kind of question like, I'll pray to Mary all the time for certain people or different things, like someone in the family who passed away. Um, but again, everything now that I offer up to her, she can take and she can use it right for anyone. So I wonder like, oh, is this prayer going to go to Carl who just passed away or or not? I don't know. But I still just offer up the <laughs> prayers and I trust that she's doing her part, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't think of God like a postal service. You know? <laughs> like, well, I guess really what I mean is the grace. Yeah. Like the, the grace going to others. If I'm asking for it, is it going to reach them? I don't know. Oh, but, I'm sure it will. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and yesterday, I don't say the rosary so often. I know I should. And I'm constantly like, come on, Lord, do it. <laughs> but um, a friend of mine's son has been sick and, and he texted me, you know, to let me know. And so I prayed a rosary for him yesterday because i happened to go to saint Catharines, and there's a statue of mary outside that i know and i i like and i was like oh why don't i go sit by mary and say this rosary for him for alex and it was nice i don't know it's just beautiful moment and i enjoyed it so i'm like come on keep doing this make it you know routine yeah yeah definitely it's a great routine to get into um i started praying when i was 16 and i took it on as a a lenten penance because I hate, at the time, I really did not like praying the rosary at all, very strongly. And that, you know, I was going through my conversion, and I was like, ah, I got to do something for Lent this year. I'm going to take on the worst penance ever and pray the rosary <laughs> every day. And uh, like, I was setting like land speed records with the rosary. Hail Mary for the grace of the Hail Mary for the grace of the I love that. Like an auctioneer, I love that you, you know. So, but at the end of uh, 40 days, I heard psychologists once say that it takes 28 days to form or break a habit. I don't know if that's true or not, but it sounds good to me. And so Lent being 40 days, you know, you form a new habit. And at the end of Lent, it's like, I'm going to keep doing this. Hmm. I think a good thing to do, too, if you're starting is I use this website. It's called rosarycenter.org. And it has um, 
scripturally based. It's like a scripturally based rosary. Um, so it has little reflections for each of the Hail Marys. Because I was just praying it mindlessly. Like I would be going to mass and be like, all right, got to get the rosary in. It's just like, you know, just spitting them out. Um, but now I use my phone all the time, but I find that it's so fruitful to like to just think about all of these different aspects of Christ's life um in the mysteries and i find that very helpful so i think it would be good like if you're starting to kind of do that to to draw or i guess to draw your attention in yeah yeah it's each of the hail marys yes oh my that's pretty cool (laughs) yeah no it's awesome i love it scriptural rosary is very powerful yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i think uh the brothers and i are gonna they just did morning glories or is that Mm -hmm. what it's called Mm -hmm. uh but we were recommended, uh, I know the one called the True Devotion. Oh, by St. Louis de Montfort. Yes, yes. that's the consecration. Yeah, that's, that's, I uh, did that, that one. That one's a lot longer. That one's 40 like, days instead of 33, but it's, it's intense. It's like two yeah. hours a day. No, but it's not two hours a day. There's a lot of prayers no, and a much, lot of but... readings and stuff. But um, that, the, the guy that recommended it, he he was like, he was like yeah, it's going to take you between an hour and a half to two hours a day. And I was like, you know I, what? Maybe I did I it wrong when I did it. <laughs> I didn't. I was like 15 minutes a day. I don't yeah. Know. I mean, no. there's some penance involved, but. Well, but. no, the one that he was showing us that he had had a lot of like Bible readings and stuff like that, and it had a lot ton of prayers and whatnot, and a lot of reflections. And you can, um, you know, it's it's helpful, but yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think the most important thing is just that you are just a son or daughter of Mary. Yeah. You know, more than going through a certain prayer routine, because the 33 days I think was very good, very doable for a lot of people that are. We're, we're daunted by the 40 days of St. Louis de Montfort. <laughs> yeah. But uh, both are great. So this wraps up our time today talking about our Blessed Mother. So my challenge for you, you who are listening, this day, do something to honor our Blessed Mother. Maybe pray a rosary. If you don't have time for a rosary, maybe just a memorare or a Hail Holy Queen or just some something to kind of give her uh, the honor that God gives her. Because it's God ultimately that, that has lifted her up and has exalted her as Queen of Heaven and Earth. And so to honor God, we honor the choices he's made, and we honor the things that he's done in weak creatures, such as Mary. And we ask her as her as for her intercession as well. So thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Restless. You can catch us on 1350 AM, that's Veritas Catholic Radio, and also wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, and see you next time. <laughs>